Welcome to Emirates Podcast, episode 364. Today is Friday, April 8th, 2022. This is technically the first episode of the 16th season of the Emirates Podcast. I say technically because I don't do seasons, I just do years. But yeah, technically. <laughs> well, there are a lot of changes to talk about today, starting with New Zealand's response to COVID-19. And those changes can be summarized as, meh. <laughs> when I talked about this on the 26th of March, I predicted that uh, this past Tuesday, the Prime Minister would announce that we were moving from the red level to the orange level in the traffic light system. And I was wrong. She instead decided that we, or they decided that we would remain at red. And the reason for that is that COVID is still really quite prevalent. And what they want to do is they want to try to protect the healthcare system and to keep it from being overwhelmed with uh, people with COVID. Because if that were to happen, the healthcare system wouldn't be able to do much of anything else. And that's a problem because we're coming into the influenza season. And they're predicting that this could be a very bad year for influenza because it's been virtually non-existent for the past two years. So hopefully people get vaccinated. Um, I'm going to get my flu jab hopefully next week if I can arrange it. COVID is bad, but influenza typically kills hundreds of people a year in New Zealand. And we just haven't had that for the past couple of years because of COVID, ironically enough. So they want to keep the healthcare system able to function and keep it from being overwhelmed. And so that was what was behind keeping us at red. It's an abundance of caution. And cases are still quite high. I mean, today they reported 9,906 community cases, 626 hospitalizations, and 10 deaths. And this is actually a good opportunity to explain how they do their numbers. One of the things is they use what they call a, a, a seven-day rolling average, which is basically to give us a, a, a easy-to-understand trending figure because there's, there's, fluctu there's daily fluctuations in the numbers. But if you look at the average over seven days, then that gives a, a better indication of how the overall trend is going. So today they reported 9,906 9, cases, and that's a seven-day rolling average of 11,281 and last Friday, it was at 14,171. So you can see the trend is going down, which is what's really important. And that's what that's good to see. There is a slight problem with the number of cases, however. And that's that our cases are based on rapid antigen tests now, or we call them RATs. And those are generally self-administered now and self-reported. And there's no way of knowing what percentage of people who test positive don't report it. So they do know that, or they estimate, I should say, that roughly 20-odd percent of the cases out in the community aren't reported, but aren't detected, I should say, which may or may not mean that they're that anybody has done a test and not reported. It could just mean that they haven't done a test. They could be asymptomatic, for instance, and not even realize that they have it. But I think it must include a rather large number of people who have taken a test and just not bothered to report it. So in some ways, a better indication of how we're doing is looking at hospitalizations and sadly deaths. And today they reported 626 hospitalizations, but the rolling average over the past seven days is 466. And so it is slowly declining over time. And that's what we want to see. 
And today they attend deaths, but the seven-day rolling average is 16, and it is coming down. We've had really high days, primarily because the New Zealand government has changed the way that they they mark these deaths. And the way they put it on the website from uh, United Against COVID-19 is, the deaths being reported today include people who have died over the past 15 days. Delays in reporting can be associated with people dying with COVID rather than from COVID and COVID being dis- discovered only after they have died. So what that's all about is that in the past, COVID deaths were recorded as anyone who died with or of COVID, but not necessarily everyone who died who was COVID positive necessarily died from COVID, at least not in more recent um, iterations of COVID. And this is trying to make sense out of that. So they're trying to be crystal clear that just because somebody has COVID doesn't necessarily mean they're dying from COVID. Somebody might be COVID positive and die in a car accident, for instance, and has nothing whatsoever to do with COVID. So they're trying to be clear about that. But in a sense, it doesn't really matter that much because if people are dying, COVID could be a factor in some of those cases. And that's par- partly why it takes them so long to to get this sorted out. The larger point here is that the numbers are trending down, the number of cases, the number of hospitalizations, and the number of deaths. And those are all good things and good harbingers of the future. But New Zealand has not yet peaked. New Zealand as a country has not yet peaked. Uh, Auckland has, but other areas of the country are still rising, like Canterbury, for instance. That's um, where Christchurch is. So there are are concerns about all of this, and and legitimate concerns, I think. And I think that the government was right to keep us at red for now. They're going to review it again on the 14th. And I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to go to orange from red, because uh, it'll be the the long holiday weekend, the Easter weekend. Easter is a four-day holiday weekend in New Zealand. Both Good Friday and Easter Monday are public holidays. And, you know, maybe. Or they might wait until later in the month. They might continue to be cautious and do it before the borders are open. But as I've said many times, I don't see how we can remain at red and have open borders because it'll just be too hard for tourists. So that's what I think. I think it's probable that they will take us to Orange next week, but we'll see. Meanwhile, this past Tuesday, the other changes took effect as planned. Uh, From 11.59 p.m. last Tuesday, we no longer need to use the vaccine pass to go to certain places like cafes and restaurants, for instance. I think it's sort of a false sense of security, to be honest, because... We do know that there was some fraud done with with um, the passes, and some cafes and restaurants just looked at them, and they didn't bother to check to make sure that they were legit. So, you know, the evidence shows that people are being cautious and staying away from public places a lot still. And so the fact that the co- the vaccine pass was there didn't make them a lot of people feel safe, and taking them away isn't going to change that, obviously. It may have the opposite effect, may may make some people feel less safe. I don't know. But the hospitality industry is upset that the government didn't raise the indoor level because, as, as will happen under Orange. And the reason is that large venues, they want to have more than 200 people. We can't have, you know, like stadium um, arena concerts or anything because we can't have more than 200 people inside. But, you know... It's it's just it goes with the territory for goodness sake. <laughs> you can't just take away the. You can't just jump and hope for the best. It's got to be done in a reasonable fashion and with an abundance of caution, in my opinion. 
And that's what the government has done. And it's all done, it's based on evidence. It's not based on politics or just, you know, whatever kind of approach. They they try to be cautious and try to look at the evidence and see what is the best result. And the fact of the matter is no matter what they do, there will be people who will be very unhappy with it. And that's just the reality. But there's another big change related to that, and that's that this week the uh, Director General of Health, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield, has announced that he is stepping down in July. He's been Director, Director General for four years, and typically the Directors General, um, they're appointed to a five-year term, but generally they've left after three or four years. So he's sort of in the average of what they typically do. And... As it happens, on July 1st, a, a new health system goes into effect. They're abolishing the things called district health boards, which ran hospitals and so on in the region, in each region of, of the country. Like the one I'm in in Hamilton is called the Waikato DHB, Waikato District Health Board. And I've been in several <laughs> since I've been in New Zealand. And they're replacing it with an organization called Health New Zealand. And it will be working alongside another agency called the Māori Health Authority. And first about about the first one, I actually, well, overall, I think that the reforms are a good idea. The district health boards are an unnecessary level of bureaucracy and political interference. And I say political because the, the boards are elected. And I've always despised the election for the district health boards. I always skip over that part of the, the ballot entirely because I don't know who any of those people are. I do know, however, that a lot of ambitious political types will run for a district health board to use it as a springboard to some other position. And I've personally known of people who have run for several district, several different district health boards at the same time, hoping that they'll land on one. Fortunately, most of those people don't, but all the same. And unless you actually looked into the, we get a little booklet with all of the local candidates in our area. And unless you look through to see who's running on which ones, you wouldn't necessarily know that somebody's running on more than one district health board, which, or wouldn't have known. We won't know that anymore because the district health boards are going away. So I think that's a good thing. I think reducing the bureaucracy will be a good thing. Streamlining it will be good as well. How they manage local input to make sure that local priorities are met, I don't know. That's something we'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. The Māori Health Authority is something that the racists hate, as you might expect, but I think it's a really good thing. One of the reasons why Māori uh, vaccination rates are so low for COVID, they, they reached the 90% for first, uh, sorry, yeah, 90% for the first jab, but there's still 80-odd percent for the second jab, even now. One of the reasons it's been so low and why it was so slow to get to 90% first jab is because historically Māori people have been victimized by by government agencies in general, but health, uh, corrections, police, um, welfare, all of those agencies, part, partly because of systemic racism, partly because of cultural ignorance, all sorts of, there's a whole lot going on, and it's a too big a topic to go into right now. But the gist of it is that they have legitimate reasons to be suspicious and reluctant to cooperate with the health system as it is now. And ideally, a Māori-based um, provider or um, agency or whatever you want to call it can help deliver health out, better health outcomes to Māori who continue to feature in all the wrong end of health statistics. So if that ends up happening, it'll be a good thing of and by itself. And I actually think it could be a game changer. I certainly hope so anyway. So Dr. Bloomfield is leaving, after it actually starts, the, the new health system, 
but he's leaving to at a good time to allow his successor to to put their stamp on how that all evolves and, and is organized and so on. Yeah, so it's it's big changes all around, but I certainly feel personally grateful to Dr. Bloomfield for his, his service. He um, provided really brilliant advice to the government, and he was a calm, steady voice. Even when sometimes journalists were a bit over the top, he kept his composure and was calm and I, it, it's been pointed out several times that he's the first director general of health that any of us would have been able to name, probably. And that's certainly true. I'd never, I actually didn't even know there was one until COVID. <laughs> and, uh, but he's been an affable, friendly uh, presence on our TV screens. We used to have daily briefings at the start of the COVID pandemic. And uh, it'll be sad to see him go in that sense. But, you know, good for him. He's on to other things. He wants to spend more time with his family because at the worst of COVID, he was doing 12-hour days, seven days a week. So it will be good for him to be able to do something different. But I certainly am grateful for everything he did in his time in that office. Now, the last bit of change is on a more personal level. It has nothing to do with anything important necessarily. But I decided a uh, week before last, I think it was, that I was going to start clearing out my office. When I moved into the house a little bit more than two years ago now, my office became a dumping ground for everything that I didn't know where else to put. And I, I thought that it still was the case, that that was true. I've gone through it several times. I've moved stuff out, I've, and most of the stuff I moved out is still wherever I, I put it at the time, like my bedroom, for instance. And it's turned out that the majority of the stuff I've come across so far is stuff that actually belongs in my office. You know, like personal stuff, stuff from my childhood, for instance, or photos or whatever. You know, things office-type things or that relate to what I use my office for, for creative stuff or whatever. And it's been a painful process going through this stuff because I've got to go through these boxes and I need to ultimately get them reorganized. It's an opportunity for me to throw away things, or I should say get rid of things I no longer want, not much I've actually had to throw away. Most of it so far I've been able to recycle, like uh, newspaper clippings I don't want anymore or whatever, and occasional magazine maybe. And so th it, it's been a very slow, very tortured process, but it's it's good. But I've I've come to realize this is no quick thing. And I think what I'm moving toward is clearing out my wardrobe in my office and putting in a, a system like I've done in every house that uh, that Nigel and I lived in over the past several years, basically to give me more flexibility for what goes in there, because it doesn't need to have a hanging rack. I mean, it needs to have the capability for a hanging rack, but it doesn't need one for my use. My The wardrobe in my office would be better used to be able to store stuff. And ultimately, I still want to get rid of more stuff, but there are thing, there are equip, there's equipment that I have that needs to go somewhere, like scanners. I have a film scanner. It's got to go somewhere. Things like that. So that's the plan. I don't know how this is going to go, but that's the plan. And after this, then I'm going to turn my attention to other parts of the house. And as we move more into autumn and things cool off more, then I'm going to resume doing working in the garage to get that organized. The uh, garage of no return, as I call it. It's It looks like a hoarder lives in this house because it's just overrun with stuff. And a, a lot of stuff that I did last year, in July of last year, fell over. And so it's in the year since, near year since. And so it's, it's just, uh, I hate going in there. And I have to, because that's where the laundry is. I don't park in the garage, obviously, or maybe not obviously, but I don't. There's no way I ever quit. And I don't know that I will, because most of the houses on my street, 
the car the people don't park in their garage they use it for other things and i probably will too we'll see at any rate that's where i'm at and there have been a lot of changes there will probably be more changes including to the Aaron's podcast i'm about to radically reorganize how the Aaron's podcast is housed on the web i'll talk about that more in the future but if at any time it's the website suddenly disappears, you can check the Amron's Facebook page or Amron's blog, amron's.blogspot.com, because I'll, I'll no doubt say something there. But big changes are afoot, and I'll talk about that more in the future. But that's it for today, and that's it for this week. I'll talk to you soon. Kakete ano. Bye. You can comment on this or any episode of the Amron's Podcast at amronspodcast.com, where you can also leave a voice message. You can visit and comment on the Amarin's Facebook page, or you can email me with or without a voice message at amarin's at gmail.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Pride 48 Network and is produced and distributed under Creative Commons license. Complete details at the website.